0: What is up everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of The Snaggle Show. I am of course your host Chris Jardine aka Snaggle I know it has been a hot minute and a half since we have had one of these but it has been a very long 6 to 8 week period of time for me personally and me professionally. Um, and I'm finally starting to get back on the horse of a few projects uh, that I've been working on And this is one of them uh, I, I really enjoyed the first uh, six or seven um, episodes of the show Your guys' feedback on Twitter and uh, in my Discord uh, have been has been amazing uh, It's been fantastic uh, And I felt like today was a perfect day to jump back on the podcasting horse um, because last night we witnessed something monumental in the world of wrestling, uh, something I have been invested in, um, you know, in the months leading up to this. And of course, I am talking about the inaugural. AEW pay-per-view double or nothing which went down in Las Vegas last night a lot to digest from what was almost a five-hour show uh, including the pre-show right up to the end um, very very compelling card we're gonna break it down uh, kind of match by match and um, and really, really dig into the teeth of, of of what the show meant in and of itself, and what it means for for me personally and my wrestling fandom um, going forward. Um, and you know, I, I have a lot of things that that I want to talk about: some good, some bad, some rather indifferent things that I could come down on either side of. Um, but it was it was overall, I think. A very very interesting event and like i said there's a lot to digest here um even just in terms of the show itself there's a lot of 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 different points of contention and, and things that you can look at to you know i guess increase or decrease the level of enjoyment that you got from it um for me personally, up here in Canada land, I picked it up on uh, my local cable company's uh, pay-per-view. It was $50 Canadian. Um, I think I'll talk a little like more towards the end about the implication of that sort of model and, and what it may mean. Um, but in terms of this first event, I definitely feel as though uh, I got my money's worth um, so let's jump in, let's break down the, the show itself. Um, and we're kind of going to run through this, you know, in pretty much chronological order. Uh, but you guys know me and my ability to, uh, stay on task. Uh, it's not very good. Um, I will say that we're going to be back to regular weekly episodes of the Snangle Show here. Um, so I do thank you for subscribing Um, On your podcast platform of choice, whether that be Google, whether that be iTunes, whether it be Pocket Cast, whether it be Spotify. Or if you just like listening in your web browser at anchor.fm slash the Show, I do appreciate it. Um, Feel free to tell a friend. Uh, We've got some great episodes coming up. Um, A few more wrestling theme things. Uh, We are going to dive back into some classic wrestling uh, a little bit as well. We've got a couple of those planned out. And uh, a couple other different things are going to be happening over the summer here on the show. So I think uh, you guys are going to enjoy it. I'm having a lot of fun doing it. I'm glad to be back at it. So let's talk about it. AEW Double or Nothing. The pre-show kicked off um, in relatively quick fashion. I think the the feed picked up at 7 Eastern and like 7.02, I mean, we were in the ring for the Casino Battle Royale. Of course, the 21-man Battle Royale, which... The winner receives a future um, world title shot, which now I will assume will be at All Out, um, which was something that was announced later in the show, um, which I think will be their next uh, like big pay-per-view event. Like I know they have this fight for the Fallen in Jacksonville uh, next month, uh, towards the end of June. I don't know if that's necessarily... Um, Like a bit like like one of their marquee AEW events, I feel like just the way that 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 it's been marketed, I think All Out is going to be their next big event, which is August. I don't even remember the date now. Um, Luckily, through the power of technology, I can look it up right here on the computer. The old uh, the old Google Reno, August thirty first. So August thirty first, they're going to be going back to Chicago for All Out. I would assume that the first that that the heavyweight championship match will take place at all out, but I don't think anything's really been confirmed in regards to that. Um, You had a very interesting cast of characters in this battle royale. Um, You had some guys that you know that that uh, most of the guys were previously announced. Uh, You know guys like Joey Janela, guys like Jimmy Havoc. Um, You knew Michael Nakazawa was going to be there. Um, just the other day, they announced that Sean Spears was going to be there, formerly Ty Dillinger um, of WWE. Um, he came out to a huge pop, and the uh, obviously the crowd was chanting 10-10-10-10-10, which is what they do. Um, you had Glacier there. <laughs> Interesting to see Glacier in the full Glacier getup uh, all these years after his initial WCW run. I know he still wrestles on the indies and stuff now, but um crowd seemed to be kind of into... Um, Glacier as well um, You had uh, Billy Gunn Who obviously is involved with AEW as a coach You had Brian Pillman Jr. Jungle Boy uh, A cast of other characters as well You had uh, Ace Romero in there AC Baby um, Overall I really enjoyed the Battle Royale I, I, I think it was an interesting concept To have people come in in groups of five I think when the final um, Combatant came in Which of course was the quote unquote Surprise of Adam Hangman Page Um, and, and everything that's gone on with him and Pac and their match being put off and him going to England and wrestling Pac to a DQ finish. And then, uh, you know, getting his knee busted up. Um, I think it was kind of a given that page was going to be in the battle Royale. I'm not surprised that he drew 21. Um, but when he came in, there was like 17 or 18 guys still in the ring. Like it was insane. Um, the action was, was, was crazy. Um, Some notable points um, from this match. MJF uh, was absolutely amazing in this match. Uh, I think MJF, um, in pretty short order here in AEW, is going to end up being one of their top heels. Um, He just generates heat every time he opens his mouth. Um, You had Dustin Thomas in there um who is uh a double amputee um had some interesting offensive maneuvers he eliminated Sean Spears as well but Mjf uh, attacked him right up the beginning of the match drawing immediate choruses of booze um he had a couple interactions with them later on in the Battle Royale as well um ended up being the guy to eliminate him which is not surprising but again just everything Mjf does, you know, on the Being the Elite show and here at Double or Nothing, it just generates so much heat. Uh, Again, he he is so good at being a heel. Uh, And being a heel in 2019, which is a a difficult landscape now because, you know, everything is so, I don't want to say everything is so PG because that's more of a WWE thing, but people in 2019 are way more sensitive than they are or were in 1999. Or in 2005. So being being that dastardly of a heel in 2019 is not an easy thing to do. But MJF does it flawlessly. Does it with ease. Um, his performance in this battle royale did a lot for his character going forward. Um, he made it to, all the way to the final two. Um, I think Luchasaurus was was very impressive as well i don't know i'll be the first to admit i don't know anything about luchasaurus i've never seen him before uh but i definitely want to go look up some of his work i think he was very impressive a really big well-built guy um that chokeslam though to joey janela was bad looked bad uh looked really bad um definitely not how they wanted that to go. Choke slamming him through a table at ringside and it looked like Janella landed on his neck. Uh and the camera was right there, like perfectly positioned to see. I don't think that's really how he wanted to land there. Um th- you know, this the battle route had a little bit of everything. You had Michael Nakazawa with the with the body oil, um kind of being a little bit funny. Um just very interesting stuff. Uh, eventually mjf uh thinks he eliminates page page hangs on page comes back in with the buckshot lariat and then throws mjf over the top road so adam page is your battle royale winner um overall a really really good match um one that like i said got the crowd into it i think this match could have been deserving of being on the main card um kind of in the middle there like as a as a re-energizing match but but i do enjoy that they put it on the pre-show again strategically on the pre-show where everyone can see it for free uh, and see some of these impactful characters like page like mjf um, who are going to play critical roles here in aew uh to try to and then try to get people to buy the pay-per-view event makes a lot of sense um overall i would give it two stars Um, maybe two and a half, I guess. Uh, It it did its job. It was pretty well done. It was entertaining. Uh, I enjoyed it. Next up on the pre-show, you had Kip Sabian against Sammy Guevara. Um, Sammy Guevara, man. Sammy Guevara is another guy uh, that AEW should be very, very happy to have in their stable. Sammy Guevara is going to be a superstar in the wrestling business. Um, He's going to be one of those guys that... Um, eventually, down the road, when when AEW's contracts start coming up, which will happen someday, um, WWE is going to back up the 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 money wagon and be like, well, "How much do you want?" Um, Guevara's offense is innovative; it's impressive. Um, he did the Shooting Star Press with Sabian draped over the barricade. Uh, I, I, I popped out of my chair um, when he did that. Then he went for the six thirty. Um, Sabian got the knees up. Hit his finisher, picks up the one, two, three. Um, I felt like my expectations for this match were a little high because, again, I believe Sabian and Guevara have have a ton, ton, ton of potential. Um, The biggest thing with this and with Sammy Guevara is I feel like where there was no story, no build to almost none of these matches outside of the triple main event, Makes it a little hard to care. I think Sammy Guevara is that kind of guy that I think he'll do better in storyline match situations. Um, again, both guys very impressive. I'd say this match was about one and a half stars, uh, maybe two stars. It was impressive. Uh, you know, Again, did its job on the pre-show. Got people out of their seats. Got people excited. Um, got people interested in buying the pay-per-view. Um yeah, I, I thought it was good. It wasn't great. Uh, like I said, it was impressive. You could definitely see a a future path for both of these guys. So we go to the main show. Alex Marvez and Excalibur bring out good old JR. And this would be my first big negative of the night. And I know this is going to be a not popular opinion. Um, Jim Ross is not going to cut it as the voice of AEW. Now, I'm not willing to write off Jim Ross um after one show um uh, given the the longevity he's had in the wrestling business. And he's been in the wrestling business for, you know, over 40 years. Um you know, he's the voice of some of my greatest wrestling memories and and moments, you know, from the Attitude era and, you know, from the earlier part of the 2000s, which I guess is still technically Attitude era. Um I don't know if it was a Jim Ross issue or if there were some production communication issues, but there were a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of awkward periods of silence that you just felt like Jim didn't know what to say. Uh, there was even one point where they cut back after a match, and Jim literally said on camera, "I have no idea where we're going right now." Uh, and then Marvez um, chimed in and said, "Cody, Dustin, and like, c- like, come on, that's like your your bit your your highest built match, the first leg of your triple main event, and you forget where you are in the card." Again, I don't I'm not gonna sit here. i don't, I'm, I'm not gonna pretend to have any sort of inside information. i'm I'm you know saying this purely as someone who watched the show. Um, it was definitely not in anywhere near Jim Ross's best work. Um, I felt if if I had to pick it's if you tweeted at me and said, what was your biggest negative of the show? Um, production production commentary, it was lacking. Um, it was not very good, not very well done. Again, grain of salt, guys. It's their first ever show. Jim Ross has not been behind the microphone for a four hour pay-per-view in ages. I know he's done some stuff in in New Japan and some other places, but I mean this was you know, it had to have been a nerve wracking situation for him. So I'm not saying. To completely write off Jr. as the voice of AEW, but but man, it was not an impressive performance for Jim Ross in this one. Um, um, you know, I had, I had uh, my wife was watching the majority of it with me, and I had my uh, one of my friends here, and there were occasional we we chuckled a lot at some of the things that Jr. was saying, and you know, just the awkwardness of it all. Um, so definitely some room for improvement there. I mean, on the other side of the coin, I'm glad to see that if this is what Jr. wants, if you know Jr. has said on his podcast, uh, which by the way, if you don't listen to Jr.'s uh, new format with Conrad Thompson called Grilling Jr., I definitely suggest you do. Um, it's a very open and honest uh, podcast. Jr. you know has a very good memory for some of these things, and it's it's an amazing, amazing podcast. Um, he has said on his podcast he he didn't feel like it was beyond him. He didn't feel like he was done. He felt like he could still contribute to the production of a wrestling show. Um, unfortunately, that didn't shine through here. Um, so let's get back to you know we're kicking off the main card here. Six man tag match: SoCal Uncensored versus the Strong Hearts. Um, a um, showcase of the partnership that AEW has made with OWE, Oriental Wrestling Entertainment. So they had uh, Sema and El uh, Lindemann and T Hawk. Um, I'm a little disappointed. SoCal Uncensored went over here. Uh, the match was good, um, especially the latter half of the match. I think. I still, after all these years, love watching Frankie Kazarian in a wrestling ring. Um, He is just absolutely amazing. He is still amazing. Uh, I think Christopher Daniels still has um, uh, quite a bit in the tank. Showed that in this match. But I think Frankie Kazarian, for me, was probably the star of this match. Uh, I do enjoy Scorpio Sky as well. I think these guys work really well together. I just feel like in this situation... I would have liked to see the OWE guys go over. Um, Especially when you consider that Sema or Chima is facing Kenny Omega uh, in... uh, Is it a fighter fest? Or it's sometime next month. I felt like that would have been a good... You know, for Chima to pick up the pinfall victory here would have been a nice way to kind of give him some momentum moving forward and make his match against Omega a little more believable. You know, Chima's on a winning streak. uh, Omega's on a losing streak. Um, Whoops, spoiler for later in the podcast. Um, I would have liked to see the the Oriental wrestling guys go over here, but again, you know, it's one of those things. um, The crowd was, was really into this match. Again, especially later in the match, there was some really nice... Um, really nice near fall stuff at the end Um, obviously SCU are are, are great on the mic they're they're great in the pre-mat stuff I felt like this match was like a was like a sandwich the beginning was great the end was great in the middle was kind of eh, I'd give it two stars Um, uh, it, it, it did what you need to do kicking off a pay-per-view which is you got people interested um again early on especially in 2019 for the people who watch the pre-show who didn't buy it and then they're going to twitter and they're seeing people tweet out oh you know this, this is a great opening match it may make them reconsider um uh, that last minute hey it's only the first match like i could pick up the rest of this and, and it not be um, a waste of money um so again the match did its job again just like the match on the pre-show it wasn't great uh, it was good it was exciting uh, that transitioned into uh, the women's triple threat, or supposed to be the women's triple threat, between Britt Baker, Kylie Ray, and Nyla Rose. Um, Brandy Rhodes comes out, uh, who is the chief brand officer of AEW, obviously. Cody Rhodes' wife, obviously. Um, and announces Awesome Kong, the first big surprise. And man, I didn't think... Awesome Kong, I went back and watched it this morning before starting this podcast Because I didn't think Awesome Kong would get the pop that she got Um, But holy moly um, She got a massive pop from the crowd in Vegas I popped at home um, Just because you haven't really seen Kong do anything um, in recent memory that I can think of I'm sure she's been doing something um, she looked great in the match um, for you know, for that role that she plays Which is that super heavyweight um, force um, I like the contrasting styles in this match You had Nyla Rose and Awesome Kong uh, You know, the two, uh, I mean, I guess larger women For lack of a better term uh, They take each other out on the outside uh, Nyla Rose spears Awesome Kong through the ring steps Uh, That allows Britt Baker to pick up the win Uh, I think it was a given that Britt Baker was going to win this She has been positioned already As the face of the women's division in AEW She was the first female that they signed Um, She has made appearances on Being the Elite Um, She has been at pretty much every single AEW presser or news event So it's obvious that they are marketing Britt Baker As the face of the women's division And now I think you can go um, you can go in two different directions here. Now, now you can you can explore Baker versus Kylie Ray, and you can explore Nyla Rose versus Awesome Kong. I think you've set up two nice rivalries going forward. Um, this match was probably the best match to this point. Um, I give it a two and three quarter stars. Uh, it was really really well done. I think it showcased all four of these women and what they do well um I think it was was nice to see uh Baker hit the Ushigooshi uh which is uh you know definitely not a move that Adam Cole does just saying. Uh, but yeah, no great match. Uh wonderful uh complimentary styles in this match. I think it was great. I think the women's division in AEW is gonna be very interesting to watch, especially with these four. And who knows um who else coming down the pipe. Next up, you had the best friends against the bic highlighters, uh, Angelico and Jack Evans. Man, their outfits were hard to look at. We literally made highlighter inside jokes the whole match. Um, I really feel bad because I spent the majority of this match making fun of it, but it was actually really, really good. Uh, it was a really good match. I give it three stars. Um, the best friends end up going over, which again, not a surprise. Uh, you know, they end up doing the, the whole big hugging thing. Um, you know, very, very interesting match. Um, then at the end of it, the lights go out. Um, the lights come back up, they don't make reference to, you know, they make it seem like an invasion of sorts, but a tag team that is better known as the Smash Brothers shows up, or is it Smash Bros, I can't remember, uh, and they just destroy everyone with their army of minions, um, again, the commentary plays this off as, who the hell are these guys, we have no idea who these guys are, we have no idea why these guys are here, um, you know compelling stuff um i really liked how again the the, the smash bros use the minions and then they build the minion throne and um very very interesting stuff it was compelling uh, it was really good um the match itself was good the whole segment was good again i feel like the tag team division in aew is going to be white hot i mean you have seen two great six-man teams You've seen two great tag teams here in this one. Obviously, we have two great tag teams coming up later on as well. Um, So, really, really, really good. Um, Probably, I hate to call it the worst match, but probably the the least interesting match was um, uh, Shida, Riho, and Mizunami uh, defeat Kong, Sakazaki, and Sakura. Um, These are all women from the uh, Joshi or Yoshi um, camp. Um, It wasn't great. It was, again, this match, people knew nothing about them. I understand they're trying to showcase some different cultures and different people, uh, but the match just had no... um, no real story. No real intrigue. Uh, I mean, I think the only one that people really knew who they were was Aja Kong, who, you know, is a a legend in, in women's wrestling, especially in Japan. Um, there was a botch at the end. There was a two count. The referee rung the bell, or the timekeeper rung the bell. Um, the music hit, but it was a two count and ends up finishing. Um, Sheeta ends up picking up the win. Uh, again, something they didn't even talk about there was uh, Shida pins uh, Sakura for the 1-2-3. Um, Sakura was Shida's mentor. Uh, and I don't think they really played that up. Again, like this was just one of those matches where the wrestling wasn't very good. I mean, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't very good. Um, there was no story. There was no build. It, it was it, You could tell it was... They use it as a way to showcase something different but you could tell it was hey listen we need to fill this time um and the commentators did not do a very good job of making me care um about this match uh i give it a half star um there were a couple of interesting offensive maneuvers that kind of got me interested in a little bit uh but overall uh worst match on the card least interesting match on the card um and the fact that it, it still gets a half-star is, is is saying how good this card was on the whole. So then we move on to the, the triple main event, uh, as I call it. Uh, Cody defeats Dustin via pinfall. Um, what a damn match. Um, the most controversial part of it was the blood. There was a lot of it. A lot, a lot, a lot of it. Um, Cody took off. Uh, uh, Dustin had him set up for the old running kick to the junk, which was an old gold dust move. Um, Cody reaches down, takes the ring pad off, and, and basically says, If you want to kick me, you're gonna have to kick the, you know, the ring, uh, the, the clasp, the metal clasp that connects the ropes together. Um, Dustin goes for it anyway. Cody gets out of the way. Dustin goes face first into the, uh, corner, the exposed steel. Um, Cody distracts the referee. Brandy gets the big hit in there. Uh, Dustin rolls out of the ring. Um, Brandy hits Dustin with the big spear and then gets ejected from ringside by referee Earl Hebner. Um, During that time, obviously, Dustin bladed himself way too much. Um, So my initial reaction when this match was over... Is that I felt it would have been a better match without the blood. After having sat on it for 24 hours... Or not 24 hours, 12 hours. Thought about it. Um, I, I, I've I, not warmed up to the idea, but I've relented a little bit on my... I wish it didn't have the blood. I, I, I wish it didn't have as much blood... I was legitimately concerned for Dustin's health at certain points. Um, my friend who was here watching it with me is a is a doctor. He was concerned for the amount of blood that Dustin was losing. It's just, I didn't understand. Half his face was painted red to begin with. So, like, the blood, I mean, it was everywhere. Um, it was absolutely everywhere. Uh, it was all over Cody, who at one point smeared it across his chest in like a tribal ritual, which was, again, really compelling part of the story. Um, you know, it's... Let's just move on for a minute. So the end of the match comes, uh, Cody picks up the one, two, three, he leaves, or goes to leave, um, and then he comes back. And, you know, they do the whole... Uh, I signed us up, I signed up for a tag team match next month against the Young Bucks in Jacksonville And I, I don't need a partner, I don't need a blah, I need my brother And they hug and everyone's crying That's how it ends Um, I almost forgot (laughs) I don't know how, I, I have it written down, but I didn't write it down in order Um, before the match Cody's entrance Uh, there is a throne with some skulls surrounding it. And obviously the Triple H uh, cross symbol. You know, it's almost like a Templar cross symbol on the back. Cody comes down. He looks at it. Uh, he goes to the ring. Brandy pulls a sledgehammer out from under the ring. Cody goes back, smashes the seat of the throne. Some pyro goes off, the cross cracks, breaks a piece off. The crowd goes absolutely batshit bananas for this symbolic, it's on WWE um, moment. So the whole package of this match, from Cody's entrance to the hug at the end, was just a, a lesson in storytelling. You had the the symbolic it's on WWE um, you know the breaking of the throne. you had Dustin coming out half painted in similar to gold dust attire, but red and black. Um, You had Cody's belt that said Attitude Era Killer or Attitude Killer or whatever on it. You had the match itself. You had the blood. You had the ending. The whole scenario for me was a four and a half star segment. The match itself was probably only three and a half, four stars. Um, which, I mean, saying only three and a half, four stars is insane. But the match itself, I think, suffered. Because at certain points, it was obvious that Dustin could see. Um, he managed to get one of his uh, patented gold dust snatch uh, power slams in there. Uh, it looked sloppy. Uh, again, the match itself was was really, 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 really good. But when you take from the beginning to the very end, it was, in my opinion, the best segment of the show Um it was it was it was fantastic it did everything that they needed to do um, to you know get people invested in the the Rhodes feud in this show uh, I think if you pulled the majority of the people who intended on watching double or nothing a lot of them would have said that the Rhodes match would have been probably the most compelling match going in Um I think that it, it was it was great. It was very well done. Um, initially, I was I was not into the whole blood thing, but again, looking back on it, I kind of see where they were coming from. Again, it's it, it's also that symbolic. Hey, we're not going to be the PG alternative. We're gonna be the we're gonna do some little edgier things here and there, um, and. Yeah, I mean it was it was it was amazing, I think is the best way for me to say it. Next up, you had the surprise appearance of Brett the Hitman Hart. The Hitman comes out to introduce the AEW championship. Uh, he calls out Hangman Page, who won the Battle Royale earlier. Um I like how Brett had a little slip saying that, you know, he would have a match at the next event or the next month or the next few events. And then he caught himself and he said, you know, oh, it's been a long time. Um, MJF comes out, interrupts, says a bunch of trash to Paige and to Hart. Um, I like how he trolled Brett's Hall of Fame thing saying, oh, Brett, look out, there's a fan. And, you know, that that again, MJF just doing amazing heel stuff. Uh, Jungle Boy and Jimmy Havoc come out Um, They take out uh, with Paige They take out MJF Hart unveils the title I thought it was really sloppily done Like literally like they're fighting And taking him into the crowd And Hart holds the belt up Pointing not at the hard cam Um, Intriguing segment Again the involvement of Brett the Hitman Hart So closely after he was inducted again into the WWE Hall of Fame With uh, you know Jimmy the Envil Neidhart as part of the Hart Foundation um, So soon After that I mean you're talking less than Two months later and here he is uh, At Double or Nothing Presenting their World Championship And making reference to you know Defending the World Championship in that building The MGM Grand and uh, this The symbolism Again we've talked a lot about symbolism in the show The symbolism was there the production was not Sloppily done. The title belt looks amazing. It looks like a championship belt. Um, it looks like something that was built to represent a champion, not something that was built for uh to represent a brand, which is the big difference with the WWE titles. They're they're branding. Um this was a championship. It was amazing. Um it was absolutely Absolutely uh, compelling segment. Just poorly executed when it was all said and done. Um, Next up, we have the AAA World Tag Team Championships. The defending champions, the Young Bucks against the Lucha Brothers. I absolutely love Pentagon and Ray Phoenix. These guys are dollar for dollar right now. One of the most exciting acts in pro wrestling. I love watching them. I love their short run and impact. I wish they would have been able to do more. Um, I absolutely love this match. This is tag team wrestling how it is meant to be. Um, The Young Bucks pick up the 1-2-3 to retain the AAA championship after they hit Phoenix with a Meltzer driver. I think that makes sense. A lot of people thought, well, you can't have uh, Americans be the the Mexican tag team champ. All this is going to do is create more heat for the Young Bucks. They're going to go down to Mexico City or to Monterey, somewhere down there. And they're going to sell out a 50,000-seat arena. And they're going to drop the titles back to Pentagon and Phoenix. And it's going to be a huge, huge match for AAA. And I think that was, you know, the intention here was to keep the belts on the Young Bucks so that the Lucha Bros could win it back in Mexico uh, and I think that business wise for AEW and for AAA, I think that's an amazing decision. The match was insane. So many crazy um, aerial moves. Um, it was move after move after move after move. It was a it was a spot fest for sure, which is exactly um, which is exactly what we wanted to see. Matt Jackson hitting Phoenix with a brainbuster on the top rope. Holy shit! I was like, oh my god, he's dead. Uh, it was amazing. Um, Pentagon finally was able to snap uh, Matt Jackson's arm. Hit uh, and a, a crazy looking package pile driver. Almost picked up the three, but eventually the Bucks come back. Uh, again, they hit Phoenix with the Meltzer driver, the one, two, three. 2 um, This was a four-star match easily. Um, Again, these guys uh, have very good chemistry with one another. And I think that goes to show, again, you look at matches earlier on the card, and especially a match like um, Sabian and Guevara. You know, no real build, no real story, uh, no real history that I know of between the two um, just doesn't yield as good of a match as when you have... You know, these guys who have wrestled a bunch of times now, they have a history, they know each other well, there's a story element. Um, You know, the the Lucha Brothers trying to get back those those AAA titles that belong to Mexico. And, you know, the Young Bucks trying to keep them because they believe that they are the best damn tag team in the world. Um, Just really, really, really good stuff. Uh, again, it was it was the height of, of... I think it was probably like match-wise was the best match on the card. Um, you know, not including pre- and post-match things. Just match-wise, it was the best match. Um, and I, I kind of expected it would be the best match. It was absolutely uh, amazing. Uh, and then we go to the main event. Chris Jericho, Kenny Omega, a rematch of the Tokyo Dome. Um, from 2018 I believe they had another match in there somewhere as well Um, I kind of feel like so Chris Jericho wins uh, hits the that new Judas effect spinning back elbow picks up the one two three so he earns a world title shot they didn't explicitly come out and say that Jericho would face Adam Page that I heard um, so maybe there's going to be some, some some steps along the way. Again, they just said he earns a future world title shot. Um, they did not specifically say um, that he would face Page, but I think that makes sense. So you could see um, All Out being headlined by Chris Jericho versus Adam Page for the AEW Championship. Here's the thing. Jericho stays strong. I mean, he's going to Japan to face Okada for the belt in like a month's time. Keeps him strong. Kenny can come back from a loss um, very easily. I think, you know, you even the score. I think you set up a rematch at some point, you know, in the winter or next spring. You know, they can kind of go off and do their own different things now. Jericho can become the inaugural AEW world champion, which I think he will. Uh, I think it makes a lot of sense both. Um, Storyline wise and marketing wise, to have Jericho be your first world champion, um, and then you can have uh, a kind of a Kenny Omega coronation ceremony at some point in the future, um, in the spring, maybe in the during WrestleMania season. Just saying, where Jericho drops the belt to Kenny Omega again. Jericho has said, you know, everything he's going to do in AEW is going to be important. So I think you're going to see him go on a bit of a title run here. And then he might disappear for a little while and come back. And you're not probably not going to see Jericho week to week once TV starts. Um, the match itself was 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 great. It was brutal, which is what I expected from these guys. Again, Jericho is, is 48 and a half. Um, he's not the Chris Jericho that he was 10 years ago. Hell, he's not the Chris Jericho that he was two years ago. Um, so the match took a less of a high-flying offensive fest to a brutal beatdown. um you know kenny got busted open on a punch to the face um it was it was everything that you wanted from the main event of your first show and then and then now i don't want to say that i'm a smart man but if you go to my twitter Twitter.com slash And you look at the screenshot I posted um, last night or this morning of the message I posted about nine hours before Double or Nothing started saying that the the best way they could end the show visually was to have John Moxley standing tall in the middle of the ring as the show goes off the air. It wasn't in the middle of the ring, but that's exactly what happened. So John Moxley, so Jericho, who had said, here's the thing with AEWs, you got to keep your eye on social media. Jericho posted an Instagram video. Earlier in the day that I think was picked up on all the AEW socials Saying he was going to win and then he was going to ask for everyone to say thank you And a weekend of celebration to celebrate Chris Jericho Um, Being in AEW and elevating AEW uh, was going to happen So Jericho gets on the mic uh, You know, and says Like, I want you all to say thank you Like, thank you, I'm here, I am AEW I'm not here for your fans, I'm here for me This is my company uh, and then all of a sudden you start to hear the crowd like start to get really hyped up. And you see people sitting on the hard cam side. So you see the back of their head pointing across the ring. And then all of a sudden, John Moxley, formerly known as Dean Ambrose in WWE, comes down um, through the crowd. The crowd is going absolutely fucking ape shit. Like you it was, everyone thought John Moxley was going to come to AEW, but at this point, the show's over, and I'm like, where's Mox, and here he comes, he comes in the ring, and Jericho looks across the ring, and says, what are you doing here, you're not supposed to be here, boom, hits him with the Dirty Deeds DDT, DDT's the referee, gets Kenny up, goes for the DDT, um, Kenny push them away. They go out of the ring. They brawl. They brawl up to the poker chip stage that they had built. Moxley hits him um, on top of the stack of poker chips with the dirty deeds. And then Fireman Carey tosses him onto a platform below. And then your closing shot of AEW is John Moxley, a guy who two months ago was working for WWE. A guy who in the last couple of years has been WWE champion, has been part of the Shield several times, has been part of some of the biggest storylines in the company, who has now gone into business for himself and now in business for AEW, standing tall. That is your visual at the end of Double or Nothing. Um, The match itself was probably a three-star match. The segment itself was an 800-star segment. It was exactly what you needed to do. You wanted people talking about Double or Nothing. And the biggest talking point outside of getting CM Punk would be to get John Moxley, a.k.a. Dean Ambrose. Or formerly known as Dean Ambrose. It was the visual of it was just amazing social media absolutely went bananas it was crazy and now you've kind of set up your summer because you can go moxley versus omega which is going to be absolutely ridiculous you've got jericho page um you know you've got the continuation of lucha bros and uh the young bucks makes sense, right, I think the Young Bucks are going to be the tag team that they do heelish things with their executive vice presidency um, position, and like, I mean, like, in, like, storyline, right, they go to Mexico, they lose the AAA championship back to the Lucha Bros, they come back to America, they decide to create their own tag team championships, coronate themselves tag team champions, and, you know, like, I think that's you're just gonna see that storyline continue on as well. You've set up the storylines of Awesome Kong and Nyla Rose. You set up the Kylie Ray, Britt Baker storyline. Um, there was a bunch of storylines set up in the Battle Royale. You've got MJF um kind of in that title picture with Hangman Page. That's why I think you might see Um, you know, the, the Page Jericho match might not happen right away. Um you know, there are so, they they did an amazing job of setting up intrigue cuz that's what you're trying to do. This is the first show for AEW. You want people leaving the show wanting to know what's next. And you have regardless of what storyline you were invested in at Double or Nothing, you are wondering what's next. Yes, there were issues with production, there was issues with commentary, um there were certain points during the pay-per-view broadcast where it was laughable um some of the things that JR was saying and you know the whole um you know i remember there was one situation they had like a, a y-shaped ramp the cameraman went up the wrong um arm of the ramp and the you know it, it, it was it was there were certain points where um rookie mistakes let's say were made that Stuff is forgivable when you put together a wrestling show like these guys put together. Um, I'm a realistic person, right? No wrestling promotion is ever going to take down the WWE. They are too big. They are too global. They are too wealthy. it, it is WWE at this point is unbeatable. In my opinion. I th- I think that it would take a monumental, epic collapse for WWE to be overtaken by another company. I think WWE has been, for the last 20 years, will continue to be the number one sports entertainment promotion in the world. Because again, when you have a monopoly for so long, it's next to impossible to take that monopoly away now that being said wwe lost a lot of fans last night if people on social media are to be believed which they almost always are not and you know what a lot of those people will go back to wwe now because you know there's no real aew shows um you know there's there's a there's a show coming up in june uh we have this pay-per-view in august um but in the meantime, there's not going to be, you know, there's no AEW TV yet. That's not gotten until the fall. So you're in a bit of a down period. So AEW's job at this point is to keep that momentum going, keep people interested, um, keep people, you know, interested in the YouTube show and, and what they're doing on social media, which they do a very good job at. Um, you know, they took a great first step towards, I don't want to say waging war. But building a competition with WWE. The shots fired with Cody and the throne. Uh, With JR being there. Jericho being there. Moxley being there. All featured in prime real estate positions. Dustin Rhodes being there. Um, Tommy Dreamer being there. Their signing of Dean Malenko. Billy Gunn being there. Um, The crossover is a real thing. It is way, 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 way too early to start making WCW comparisons, uh, ratings comparisons. Um, It's way too early for any of that stuff. It's one show. It was one hell of a show, but it's one show. I've seen, you know, people who, again... You know, Twitter comments with a grain of salt, folks. But I've seen people on Twitter saying, WWE is dead. Are you watching Vince McMahon? You're damn right. Vince McMahon should be watching, but he probably wouldn't. When you're in first place, the first mistake that you can make is worrying about who's in second place. As soon as you start worrying about who's in second place, you're lost. And there's a reason why... Impact Wrestling, formerly known as TNA. Ring of Honor. There's a reason why those companies have not become bigger. A lot of reasons. Television issues, money issues, talent issues. um, You know, anybody who was ever really good and intriguing in TNA either came from WWE to begin with or ended up going to WWE after. Eric Young, AJ Styles, Samoa Joe... Amongst a host of others James Storm was there for a hot minute Um, But this is a different animal AEW's got the money They've got the TV connections They've got the social media part And that's the big thing This wrestling company was built From social media um, Beginnings these guys that's the thing these guys are making their content accessible um out there they're on twitter they're on instagram they're on facebook they're on youtube they're everywhere they 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 sh- they're constantly sharing tweets and comments and videos from all of their talent this is a different sort of scenario than we've seen in the past with Impact slash TNA, where they just tried to steal whatever talent they could get and they put themselves in this giant financial hole. Uh, and then they've never been able to dig out of it. Ring of Honor does what they do. They're they're good at what they do. I think Ring of Honor is the people who run Ring of Honor are. Satisfied with where that company is at And want to continue going where they're at With their New Japan partnership And what they do in the US I think they're content with where they are The guys at AEW have shown They are not going to be content With being anything other than The best wrestling promotion in the world And while I don't think They'll ever be the number one company They definitely do provide One hell of a damn alternative uh, If Their first show is to be indicative of how this product is going to be going forward Um, like I said Production issues are there Um I think You know, we're gonna be a It's gonna be really interesting to see Once We have weekly TV in the fall I'm still interested to see if we're gonna be able to watch the weekly TV in Canada Um, I don't even know if I could get TNT drama um, haven't looked into that yet, or if it's going to be picked up on. Um, say, uh, I've said it a few times now. I think TSN may look at getting back into the wrestling business. Um, they have five channels worth of programming. They could probably use something to to fill. Um, but once we get into weekly TV, um, it's going to be interesting. Now, I mean, I alluded to it earlier on in the show. Um, the pay per view model. $50 Canadian for the HD pay-per-view It's going to be interesting to see If this is the model they keep going forward um, And how many pay-per-views a year they're going to have So right now, you know All out is the next big one I assume the pricing is going to be relatively similar um, If they do four big pay-per-views a year At 50 bucks a pop That's an investment I can make um, If we end up getting into like monthly pay-per-views at 50 bucks that's not going to be a financial model that i am going to be willing to keep up with um again with with these guys and their connection to social media um i wonder if a streaming service is in the works um That would be extremely, extremely interesting to see If they have some sort of streaming service Or some sort of more broad um, BR Live slash Fight TV deal in place Uh, Because again, like for me up here, it was on cable I also could have got it on Fight TV, the app Um, In the States, it was available on BR Live I think it was $35 or $40 US for the streaming Uh, Again, you know Are we going to see like a yearly subscription model Where you'll get access to all this That's the kind of stuff that That I am looking forward to seeing How many ways are we going to be able to ingest their content And what is it going to cost That's a big factor Um, It's a huge factor If you're going to market your product For that 18 to 34 demo. Which it's obvious that they have. With the violence and the blood. And uh, the high flying stuff. um, You need to come up with a sustainable financial model. That people can ingest your product. So that's left to be determined. Um, The production stuff. I've mentioned it half a dozen times now. But it keeps sticking out to me. As an area that needs massive improvement. Whether that means. They move away from Jim Ross or not? Hard to say. I it, if 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 it was me, and especially as a paying customer, I'd be willing to give JR another chance. I still think, uh, you know, was it a nerves thing? Was it a communication issue with the truck, um, or was it just that it's beyond him now? Hard to say. But overall, Double or Nothing was it was amazing. It was a great show. Um, if you haven't watched it yet, I definitely suggest that you pick it up, watch the whole thing, um, go to YouTube and watch the uh the pre-show, which was great. The whole show start to finish was extremely compelling and was it checked all the boxes for me on what I was looking for from my first pay-per-view. It was exciting, it was intriguing, it set up future storylines, um, it had uh, surprise, it had some really high drama moments. Those are the kind of things I was looking for. And it did all of those things. Um, And I am very, very excited to see what the future is um, for AEW um, as we head into the summer of 2019 and the ever-changing landscape of professional wrestling. What did you guys think? Of Double or Nothing, did it change your opinion on AEW? Are you firmly an AEW guy? Did this maybe sway you a little more towards their product? Or did it sway you away from their product? Um, Feel free to let me know guys Reach out to me on the Twitter twitter Twitter.com slash SnaggleJ You can also go to uh, Discord.Snaggle.Club If you want to join my Discord server And get in on the immediate um, conversation Uh, I do appreciate each and every one of you Who subscribe to and listen to this podcast In your manner of choice Uh, Like I said, follow me on Twitter At SnaggleJ I will be back next week With a brand new episode of the Snaggle Show